hey kids, you uh, you trying to get into Segment City? Well, you really shouldn't, because Segment City is a mature podcast, and listener discretion is advised. I'm just trying to look at, I know I'm in an alleyway, I know, I know how I look, but I got some fireworks for you kids. I got snakes and I got sparklers, that's all I got. Oh, don't give me that. brother you know i've been having a lot of people pointing things out about me recently that i didn't know you, you know when you hang out with people a lot and they go like do you know you do this thing and you're like hmm. no i didn't huh. <laughs> i had no idea and this is something i did know that i've been doing a lot i've been making a lot of old man noises yeah lately yeah Ooh. Ugh. oh man Ooh. Mm. okay i don't yep. love that yeah i don't i don't love that we're getting to that age where it's it's not a it's not a goof <laughs> it's it's kind of becoming it's, it's not from pain it's more of just kind of like i've built Effort. it into myself just which like, is weird <laughs> it's not even that much effort. So like it's started getting doing up and it I ironically go, and it's no I longer like, ironic. Mm. like it's it's not i'm not consciously doing it most of the time because <laughs> he was like my, my brother I'm, started doing this thing where ironically i don't know if it's ironically or just to be annoying when he would taste something tasty he'd go Mmm, and stare directly <laughs> into your eyes while chewing. Mm. That's that's bold. And then that's and then he started doing it unconsciously, where he just stare and go mmm mm. as he chews. My brother would do that when he uh, in when we were kids, where he would hum when he would eat, but he would go mmm like he would he'd sometimes have a song mm-hmm. that he would. And my parents were like, "Can you just fucking can you please? can you not?" Just Can you get not? on with your life, please. I have a lot of things that are starting to remind me of my father, and I don't love it. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. We apparently have the same, like, sleeping stuff, because we both have the same... We kind of snore, but we mostly, oh, like... I thought you meant, like, we you do both heavy have, breathing. We, we have matching toiletry bags. <laughs> toiletry? <laughs> <laughs> same sleeping no. stuff. I bring... All I bring is just a lot of toilet paper. How did you find out that That's you have the same, the same sleeping stuff as your dad, like... Uh, from Annie, she would just be like, "How does you, you sleep? How does have, your like, dad? How does Annie know how your dad sleeps?" That's... I know how my dad sleeps, and the way do, that she described it, I was like, "Oh, I am, oh, I know exactly. That's my dad." Like my, dad, <laughs> I thought, just, I thought you woke thing. up one day and she's like, "You sleep a lot like your dad," and you were like, "What the fuck's that <laughs> I mean, supposed to mean, Annie?" That would be bold. Yeah. That would be absolutely that a, would be a, a very bold thing. That'd be very bold. Or she's just like, "Do you know that you even sleep like your dad?" <laughs> I, I once put, picked up a photo album and I said, why am I in this photo album? Because I looked because yeah. I apparently look very much like my dad. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know if you get that a lot. I feel like you don't necessarily look like no, you don't look it, like your mom. Yeah, no, I, don't, I think I look probably more like my dad. But no, I mean, yeah, my dad is bald now, but had long, long hair when he was younger. Ooh. And like it was like wavy and kind of magnificent, and I was like, "Oh, Dad, look at this! What? Ha- First of all, what happened? Second of all, is that going to happen to me? Oh God! <laughs> Please no." Yeah. Well, yeah. there's we found the cure for baldness here in Segment City. Nobody's bald. I wish they, I wish they'd tell me. You know, they, <laughs> it's it's actually you just keep pulling on your hair, mm. um, and it just keeps going. 
and then you super glue it back on, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. everybody's people, doing it, right? Everyone's people doing, actually in, doing in that. like the early 1900s and like late 1800s thought that you to have long, like long beautiful hair, you would actually physically pull it. Like you, you, like, you take like a, and you it? try to extend it like get it out of there. Get it out of there. That's probably it's probably nothing. But we're we're not trying to get it out of here. We're going right into segment city, mm-hmm. and we're going right for the dump. We're going to the dump <laughs> oh. because we are dumpster diving our way through the internet. We're going to the popular websites. We're getting the good nuggets of comedy. Both me, Will Kane, dumpster diver supreme, and hair grower mm. supreme, and my friend here, and me, Theo Sapakos, uh, hair thief for the stars. <laughs> for the stars for the i feel stars. like we say it for the stars a lot and i don't know what that <laughs> c- career path is like <laughs> if if uh if you, you know, know ellen you could probably do it <laughs> yeah if, ellen uh, or oprah you know if one of those big big wig celebs if they need if they need a head of hair they know who to call and it's me janice mm. joplin needs hair Jan- janice <laughs> she's joplin. still alive <laughs> requires hair if uh dolly parton's like i gotta i gotta get me ahead of this the head of this the Based- kids use this hair product i think that dolly parton probably it has the opposite effect where because there's so many wigs based on, off of her mm-hmm. like a, a lot of drag queens love and so they have the big blonde wig because her, her hair's bit maybe she, it all comes from her have we thought about that she's she shaves source. her head every single time and then everything like about that comes back yeah, immediately. She's an extremely charitable person going out and you spreading her good that? head of hair. Yeah. You ever think about that? <laughs> you what? ever just kind of think about, about bald Dolly Barton? Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start with Will's stupid thought. This one this one is about stupidity. Mm. Um do you think that there's more I hmm. How to how to kind of crystallize this thought? I feel that people, a lot of dumb people, try to reinvent. They invent things that think they think that are new, but are just old ideas. Do you have an example the, of this? I have very specific examples. Um, I read, I listened to an entire podcast about, um, you know, libertarians. We did a whole, we did a segment. I'm aware while back. I'm aware of libertarians. I'm you're, a New Hampshire uh, State native. Go back to our previous episodes where we talked about uh, the town that was run by libertarians and how many bears they had uh-huh. <laughs> and how poorly it went. But they would – there was like a repeated thing that they would do where they tried to make like sea societies like on the ocean. They would try to like build <laughs> cities and stuff. And every single time – Like, like floating story, cities? Yeah. Some of them were like, okay, we're going to like had crypto involved where they're like, we're going to have like, oh, no. none of it makes any sense. And oh, it's no. only to get investors. Um, but there are some <laughs> people, people who are into what they call seasteading. But every single time libertarian, because libertarianism is about no taxes is like a big part. No taxes, like, no freedom. Yeah, it's just like do whatever you want. Every single one of these guys stumbles upon taxes because they're like, how the fuck do we pay for shit? Like that, that's the first, and they go. How about we get everybody to chip in a little bit? Right. And then it's like you've invented right. taxes. You've invented taxes. And like, no, you just no, invented no, taxes. no, 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 not taxes. That's not what that is. That's uh, a communal good. So, are you talking about you're trending towards so- oh, socialism? Government is it government. Yeah. yeah, all pitching in to help each other. One one of the guys uh, actually one of them was like kind of successful. 
because he got funding from the another guy who wanted to do, do like a uh, spaceport thing, like launching using magnetic whatever. He, but he lived in a tower that would like help with the launches. So he lives in a lighthouse. It was just outside of like Bangladesh or something, some like Southeast Asian country. And they're okay. like, because he's like, we're our own thing. And they're like, no, you're not. We're sending the army after you. Like oh <laughs> immediately God. they're like, we have no, no chill no. about this. We have no chill. We're not fucking around you are, with this. Our sovereignty is key. So we're right. going to, th- this turned into a whole, whole thing about libertarianism. But I feel like a lot of people are starting to just like invent the, like, like taxes, they they like come around to i feel like a lot of people don't understand science for example yeah. they don't understand the basis of scientific method where it's like well my friend jerry i trust him th- he saw that with his eyes and he mm-hmm. was able to repeat it and it's, it's like <laughs> you were explaining the scientific method like <laughs> you don't believe in science yourself but you're forming a scientific method i, I like it when they follow scientific method convinced that they're going to get somewhere that's that's like a a foregone conclusion in their mind but it's like not fact. I saw oh, this video about this guy. Flat who, earthers? Yeah, he was trying to prove he was trying to prove the, the earth was flat. And he's like, if if the earth is round, then when I look through these two holes, I will I will be able to like not see this light that's being shown. But if it's flat, then I'll be able to see it. And he like mm-hmm. does this whole scientific method and then he can't see the light. And he's like, That's odd. That's huh. really that's huh. really weird. Huh. There's some must be well, something wrong with the experiment. They they are looking for a, a answer though. That is not the actual scientific method because people don't understand. Right. Like it is constantly evolving. Like if science says one thing, they could change it another. If it's further, if it gets closer to the truth, right. which people don't like, <laughs> they don't, don't like that. that. No, people don't like that. But even for like, we're getting into that with crypto. This this might date the podcast, but there's a big crypto crash where everyone's like, this should be like, no, they're like <laughs> going around to regulation. I'm like, we're getting banks again. This is banks. Like we're getting currency. Yeah. We're, we're going, it's like, yeah, if you're going to be in crypto, they might steal it. It's almost it like crash yeah, for mega 30%. corporations actually want to regulate this, this thing that they're advertising as free market. Oh my yeah. gosh. What? They're profiting off of it? What? Ooh, Are you kidding what? me? The only, how could, we, say how could we let this happen? The only people still in crypto at this point mm-hmm. are people who are still running a con. Because yep. I feel like most of the con men are like starting to like back out and be like, okay, we got big, our money. Big, big crypto crash happening. So <laughs> people are even... not convinced. Uh, I read this thing that um, Jay-Z was trying. He, he was like, <laughs> even that. Did you see that? Yeah, me. it was Jay-Z was, has these like uh, financial literacy classes where he was trying to teach people to like get involved with crypto. And people were oh, like, I didn't even hear about this. No. So yeah, he has the, he like <laughs> passed out flyers in the, like the apartments where he grew up, which are like, you know, low income areas. And people yeah. were, and people were like, Hey, we struggle week, like month to month to put together rent money. We don't have time not- for crypto. What are you talking? He's so out of yeah. touch. Yeah. The, so the, out of touch. He's like, just make it big. Just like whatever. Just like whatever, dude. You just, right. I did. Did you hear about Seth Green's thing? No. That he had a, he had a, had to cancel a, a show. Because he had an NFT monkey, um, and somebody stole it, oh and it God. like ruined everything. It was supposed oh to be God. about this NFT monkey, and he's just like, "The show is canceled now." Why did he cancel it? Just because he was like freaking out. He didn't. Somebody stole the rights to the monkey or something, and they were basing an entire show off of this monkey. They were basing a show off of this an is, NFT. This is based on off of my memory. I don't have the article in front of me, but yes, that, that sounds <laughs> like a great sc- got, People are getting yeah. scammed out here. 
Even th- Seth Green isn't like that dumb. He, he plays smart people on TV, so you know you can trust him. Um, and yeah, so no, you should know that you should base your political, I, political opinions on his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. I like Robert Ch- Robot Chicken. That's a good show. It's been going on for like thirty seasons. And that's all I have to say about that. Let's go on to the next segment. There it is. Uh, <laughs> for our first segment of the day, uh, we're going over to the takeout. We're, t- we're, we're doing a takeout Ooh. segment. Um, this article is written to us by uh, Rachel Barron. Thank you, Rachel. The shower Reuben does indeed hit different. The, sh- the shower Reuben? The shower Reuben does indeed <laughs> hit different. <laughs> <laughs> that is okay that is so cryptic and threatening is, i don't know what a sub, shower sub, ribbon is subheader. and i don't know why subheader <laughs> it's bad is that a pickle or a sponge twitter is mixing hygiene with cuisine no okay no i'm gonna i'm gonna just say we can't do this because george costanza would do this and we can't have an article that george costanza would unironically do unironically do this last week twitter user oh. austin tweeted a p- picture of a very appealing looking reuben sandwich with rosy pink corned beef, well-toasted bread, and what appears oh. to be a restrained handful of sauerkraut peeking through. However, the okay. sandwich was served somewhat unconventionally on the corner shelf of a tiled shower, right where a bar of soap would normally be. With the caption, the shower Reuben hits different for real. <laughs> Okay, this is I I this is a meme. This is a Twitter <laughs> meme. Maybe somebody's making a thing, but the, <laughs> just because that feels like a joke. It There's no way like, that they're eating shower Rubens. It's is it so far out of possibility? Mm, Think about it. Okay, mm, I'm not coming. Anything's possible. I, I'm not coming to the defense of this poster. All I'm saying is, on the scale, on the on the on the plane of sandwiches that are messy to eat the reuben is certainly towards the upper end of that spectrum is it not mm, that i would eat in a shower no it's really messy to eat yeah but the, the but that's why it would be bad in a shower it's not it's getting no, lubed you're up getting, by water you're getting you're getting i would just think that you'd at least have the decent common decency to poke your head out of the water <laughs> before you bite you're not no! bringing, you're not bringing the sandwich into the rainfall oh no, yeah you got it out of the rainfall okay let's just let's make a scenario <laughs> in which this would make sense you wake up you go oh man i i can't wait to have my my morning reuben steak sandwich <laughs> i have it every morning and i love it so and much I love it, it so has much. a tasteful handful of, of sauerkraut sauerkraut on it Oh God, I'm almost late for work. I gotta, I gotta consolidate <laughs> my time. I could so eat this d- on the subway. I could eat this sitting at my desk, but no. Damn it! Here's I'm a man of principle. So I eat this before I get dressed because if I get dressed Reuben. before having the sandwich, the sandwich mm-hmm. is all over me. It's messy. Like imagine trying to put sleeves on while trying to shove a sandwich <laughs> in your mouth. Not gonna work. You gotta get the head full, and you you have a whole sandwich in Has your mouth. Has this ever like, happened to you? You're trying to you're trying to get dressed, but you got this ding dang oh, sandwich this, to eat. You got a Herbert sandwich. It's <laughs> oh, in your fucking geez. mouth. It's in your oh, fucking man. mouth. What you do? Do do they go? So this is I'm I feel like this is a meme that somebody's taking out of proportion. Possible. I would like to hear can, if people are. <laughs> If you recall the shower orange trend that emerged roughly seven years ago via Reddit thread r slash shower orange, then you know that the shower Reuben is more or less a setting up of that. For anyone who doesn't spend so much t- so much time online, a quick primer. Those who proselytize 
a shower orange lifestyle claim to eat a cold claim that eating a cold orange in a steamy hot shower is an intensely pleasurable experience. It's similar to and likely predated by the shower beer, essentially the same thing, but with a cold beer Mm -hmm. on top of all other benefits, eating in the shower is presumably makes for easier cleanup. Now I want to stop here. How do you feel about the shower orange? How do you feel about the shower beer? And how do you feel about shower food in general? Will Kane? Shower beer I've heard of. I kind of approve. Shower beer you've it never is, done? Question mark? No, I've never done it. Okay. But it is it is um, for the alcoholic who has things yeah. to do, um, which is very nice. Shower orange, I'm going to say I like more than shower beer. Shower beer, I'm like, okay, that's cool. Shower orange has function. There is, because it goes with the messiness you were talking about. You're getting juice everywhere. That's yeah. worse. You got to wash your hands anyway. And if it gets on your shirt, you're fucked. Yeah, you're, you're, you're fucked. Destroyed. It's spraying everywhere. It's getting everywhere. In intrinsically a wet thing, eating an orange is kind <laughs> so, of so. So you're it's sort of on the thing. mind thing, a mindset that wet in wet shower is more acceptable. Not yeah, necessarily it, full on board with it. You wash your hands. Like, so it's, tell it's me about sticky. eating. So tell me about eating soup in the shower. That's ultimate <laughs> wet on wet experience. How do you feel okay, about this? You get bullion cubes or like some kind of dead <laughs> soup, and then you get the hot water and you fill it, and then you have the soup you ready. Get uncooked ramen, and you just pour that steamy water in there, and you let it sit it, for three minutes. It would have to be a cold soup because that's the the pleasure. As they said, the intense pleasure, which sounds like these people are fucking coming after having an orange slice. Oh, oh! uh, It would have to be like a gazpacho. It'd have to be. So our principles stand, it's acceptable, but only in gazpacho, only cold cold corn soup, perhaps. I think that it's the the contrast that helps. Like, that's what the beer is. Is shower po- shower popsicle. I think I could get on board with shower popsicle, hmm. but it would melt faster. You'd have it would you'd be on a time limit, but it does. It's <laughs> it would sticky. be mostly on your arm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's sticky. But then you're in a shower and you just wash it off. It's fine. Yeah, I'm I, I'm giving those two thumbs up. Okay, shower Ruben. I gotta hear more. Okay, I've had a shower beer before because you know you. I heard about it in college and I was yeah, like you, curious, so okay. I'm like having a beer. I when I, think, I was when I was standing. In the shower drinking this beer, I had an epiphany and I was like, bringing a large glass object into the shower is just a bad call. I should have opted for the can. can. I should have opted. Yeah, the can. I also have to say, I am. I didn't really like it. I felt like an alcoholic. I felt grungy and gross. (laughs) I felt like I had not, like, like there's no, I would, I would wager that most shower beers are not social experiences. I would wager. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I That's, would think that, that for my personal taste, I enjoy the sociability of the beer more than the drink necessarily by itself in a, in a small room on my own. The fact that the the fix for that, for making you not feel like an alcoholic, <laughs> will make you a pervert. Like right, right. You can either you be all an alcoholic or a pervert, and it, you got to pick one. You could have a beer in a pool. That's cool. That's fun summer that's fun. fun. Yeah, that's fun summer vibes. Everybody crowded in the shower in trunks, hopefully, <laughs> or like swimming suits as they're holding <laughs> beers like, oh, yeah, what'd you get on the math final? Just like, <laughs> it'd be awful. Not great. The shower room in okay. a tweet apparently struck a chord with a lot of people on Twitter because it wrapped up close to 100,000 <laughs> likes and over 8,000 retweets in a span of just three days. Uh, and it got republished a whole bunch. So... 
Adding to the overall funniness of the tweet is the fact that so many users con commented back in earnest. One user even replied with a photo of a slice of cheese in a shower and the text pepper Jack cheese shower time. <laughs> <laughs> still lose. I would have liked it if it was a they craft chose, signal. They chose the, the food item that looked most sort of like a sponge in that case, you know, the, the, mm. the, the texture. And another user offered their solid solidarity with the original poster. Never shower Ruben, <laughs> but I've had many a sandwich in the shower when in a hurry. I What? Apparently there are, these are real people out there. Who are these people that are rushing so hard that they're like, I can't eat in the car. That would get all messy. Let's get this <laughs> bread all wet. Like that's my the bread's going to get wet. I'm that's my thing I'm going to say about sandwiches in general in the shower. Now the do bread you think is eventually the, gonna get if wet. If the bread was stale enough, the heat might soften the steam might soften it up to a more more decent place mm. here. Mm, Maybe I mean, this is a rate of revitalization program for old bread. But that becomes a, a whole thing where you're like, honey, don't eat that bread. I'm saving, <laughs> I'm saving it for the shower. I'm saving it for my gross, nasty habit. <laughs> I know it gets bread all in the gutter and in the, in the Harold, drain. But please. <laughs> I like the way it feels between my toes, Janice, and I won't hear otherwise. <laughs> I like that <laughs> good corned beef on <laughs> my feet. Like, honey, we have I children. I like to stand please. there and say, splush, 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 corned beef bath while I, while I stamp around. <laughs> Okay, here's here's a different thing. Uh, sandwich bath. Now that's something I could get behind. Sandwich bath. I could be. I could imagine being extremely it's, fancy. You have a gold plated <laughs> uh, a tray sitting beside you. You have some candles lit. Of course. You have your favorite wine. And what's that? Mm. Oh my! Is that a Cuban? Oh, you get amazing. <laughs> The problem with um, an inherently messy sandwich like a Reuben <laughs> or a Cuban, um, it's eventually you're going to have spillage and it only goes the in question the question is, so do, you, the soup. do you eat that pickle that fell into your bath? <laughs> it depends if it's a bubble bath because then it's all <laughs> soapy. Because then it's clean. Because then it's <laughs> cleaned off. Okay. It was, this, isn't, so, this isn't bubble. It's, it's star sand. It's all kosher. <laughs> This is the worst conversation I think we've ever had <laughs> on the podcast. It's recorded for posterity. <laughs> Shower sandwiches is awful. What else did people say on Twitter? This is the whole article. It's just like people just reacted to this and that becomes content. Well, the next the next thing is that in the upon closer inspection, it looks like in the bottom left hand uh, corner of the photo, there was what appears to be just a loose, uh, large kosher dill pickle. Um, in, in the bottom, but uh, people point out that actually it's just a sponge that looks a lot like a pickle. So there's a lot of controversy about that. But I think we we can end our time here with shower sandwiches, and we've dissected how we feel about it. And who knows? Maybe uh, before next week, I'll have tried it, and I can report back. But you'll have to come back next time to find out. You and I both know that once we hit the button to stop the recording. Out entire of podcast out of our mind <laughs> until we edit the podcast and then we go that was that was good that was, that was a good was that because then you because then you, it's like hearing it for the first time and you're like oh yeah that was a good bit that, right <laughs> good job past me good job high five it myself but anyway we are going to now go from from sandwiches which is a very modern uh, i guess twitter reaction to it to yeah. in the news in the news we got some wacky news here um, I have a few stories for you. Th these are all from AP News. 
mm. that I, I found them all very, very funny. Um, this one is mostly in the title. This is by William J. Cole, uh, March 26th of this year. 30, 329 years later, last Salem witch who wasn't <laughs> is pardoned. <laughs> which is a confusing headline, but it's but I love it. Last witch who wasn't is pardoned. Is pardoned. Yeah, it's okay. I, I'm glad that I read I'm it in a way it. that yeah, made I sense. Yeah, I it. Yeah. Um, Massachusetts lawmakers on Thursday formally exonerated Elizabeth Johnson Jr., clearing her name 329 years after she was convicted of witchcraft in 1693 and sentenced to death at the height of the Salem witch trials. Johnson was never executed, but neither was she officially pardoned like others wrongly accused of witchcraft. Lawmakers agreed to uh, reconsider a case last year after a curious eighth grade civics class at mm. North, North Andover Middle School took up her cause and researched the legislative steps needed to clear her name. So it, it was it was tacked onto a budget bill and approved, which is the way <laughs> tacked onto a budget bill. So the way good, the government works That's how now. It works. That's how it works. Now, oh yeah, I, and we I, pardon them. Now, whatever. I, I would wager that. While you're alive, being labeled a witch and killed is, like, probably not very much fun. We could probably no. agree on that. However, no. once you've reached those pearly gates and you're up in heaven and everybody's asking you, so what's your deal? How'd you die? I think being able to say you were a witch is at least something. You know, like, it's... at that point in life, at that point in the afterlife, wouldn't you rather just be labeled a witch? You've already gone through the horrifying part mm. of it. Yeah, but in in the times in 1600s, they did think you're going straight to hell. You're working with the devil, right? Um, not great. It's not right. great. It's like what would be a hmm, what would be the equivalent? Like saying that you're a proud boy or something. I don't know. <laughs> something yeah. very negative. But one last thing on this this article before we end. This is a statement from the uh, the teacher, the North Andover teacher, Carrie Lapierre. Um, passing this legislation will be incredibly impactful on their understanding of how important it is to stand up for people who cannot advocate for themselves and how strong of a voice they actually Namely have. Namely fucking dead witches because yeah, they're dead we burned them. <laughs> this is super impactful for the woman who died 300 years ago. Great. Yeah, this is <laughs> good. This is a good step. Fun, fun project and a fun headline, but it's, yeah. it is what it was like. You know what? Good job for those eighth graders. They did something. Yeah. This is another very fun one having to do with kids pool noodle fight over the name josh again attracts hundreds yes again. josh fight josh fight josh fight yeah josh fight two josh fight two the sequel the rejoice may may 23rd 2022 from lincoln nebraska a couple hundred people which is not very good reporting <laughs> <I just> say, <laughs> um, yeah, you couldn't grab have a better estimate than that yeah, grabbed their pool noodles and headed to a nebraska park again this weekend to battle over the right to the name josh the event started as an online joke when Josh Swain of Tucson, Arizona, sent out a tweet challenging anyone who shared his name to fight over it. After it took on a life of its own, Swain turned it into a real event last year at the random coordinates he included in his original note, which happened to be in Lincoln, Nebraska. Quote, the enthusiasm from everyone here it was just incredible, Swain told the Lincoln Journal Star. Several of the competitors this year donned costumes including masks, animal suits, and football helmets, before heading out to the Bowling Lake Park. But that wasn't enough to dethrone five-year-old Josh Vinson Jr., who defended his title as the number one Josh. Good job, Josh. 
Good job, job, Josh. You're five year old. You fucking obliterated a, a, I think adults also. Um, Saturday's event raised nearly twenty one thousand dollars. So that's great for for Children's Hospital Medical Center in Omaha. And the owners of the Josh Sellers Wine label pledged to match that amount with a donation of their own. Nice. So that's lovely. That's a heartwarming um, story. Yeah. This is so. Um, the hospital said its plans to share some of its donations with Joshua Collinsworth Memorial Foundation that promotes water safety with its Josh the Otter ma- mascot who attended Saturday's battle. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking mascot otter's like, time to die, children. Hello, Josh. <laughs> I see you're five years old still, and I must defeat you in order to become number one. And I hate to tell you this, but um, I can swim a lot better than you, Josh. You're about to. I'm a fucking otter. Be obliterated. But anyway, this is another one. I have two more articles. This one, I <laughs> the the mental image. I don't know. We'll figure out why they did this. But Bon Voyage. Old subway cars float off across New York oh, Harbor. No. What? <laughs> was this intentional? Please tell me this was intentional. By Ted Shaffrey and uh, Kiana Cole from June 16th, 2022. New York City, it's the end of the line for many old subway cars that remain in New York City's rail yards. Great, great (laughs) beginning of it. Very funny. Um, When the New York put R32s into service in the mid-1960s, people called the shiny train cars Brightliners. Over several decades, millions of people have traveled on R32s. The R32s? I don't know if the S is in the thing, but whatever. Um, but the days when the iconic stainless steel cars were used to transport passengers are long gone. You would recognize these. These are like the the chrome. Classic um, chrome. Yeah. Um, the R920, 932, I'm going to call them R32s, are being floated away to Jersey City, fated to be turned into scrap metal. Several years ago, outdated New York City subway cars were placed in the Atlantic Ocean to create artificial reefs to protect oh, right. the shoreline from flooding oh, and right, provide right. habitats for sea life. But the stainless steel trains collapsed in the salt water, so scrapping the metal is now preferred, uh, is the preferred way of disposing of old cub- subway cars. On a recent morning, chains held 11 of the old uh, R32s atop f- flat railway freight cars. A crew at the 65th Street Yard in Brooklyn loaded them onto a barge affixed with railroad tracks floating uh, f- and floated them to Jersey City. The fact floating is a very nonspecific. <laughs> Sailing is the like, <laughs> I feel like floating as they go. All right, push them out. And we'll see. There you they later. go. Hope they <laughs> get there. Bye. Go to Jersey City. Have fun. Um, Donald Hutton of New you know, York. You know uh, that the original plan of like putting them in the harbor to be. Uh, artificial corals with some like PR spit on. I don't fucking know. Put them in the harbor. Dump them in the harbor. What do I care? You know, Eureka. (laughs) Actually, that could be great. That would be great. Donald Hutton of New York, New Jersey Rail operates the barge, part of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. He said it is a fitting tribute to the R-32s that uh, that they are being removed from the city across New York Harbor on a boat with railroad tracks. Quote, I wouldn't so much call it a funeral, <laughs> but I would say it's more of a respectful movement out of the system. Hutton said, quote, they no, owe Stotson it all. Said. They, <laughs> they owe it to be put on out on rail. Um, 
Anyway, so they'll they'll be scrapping them, and then they'll also take parts to sell as memorabilia or, or collectibles, which is also kind of nice. But we have one last story. Yeah, this is that place where the homeless guy puked all over the floor. You can have that for five ninety nine. We'll ship it right to you. You know what that is? Memories. Memories. Good, <laughs> terrible, good memories. You know what was in that puke? Real Brooklyn pizza. You know what might also be in, in somebody's puke? This next next article oh. uh, person that's in it. This is from June 15th, 2022, from Bridgeport, Connecticut. Bus driver says he didn't know his gummy snacks included THC. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're a bu- For people who don't Sir, know. you're a bus driver. Figure your For- shit out. For people who don't know, that is the the one of the ingredients in marijuana. So he ate yes, edibles. Indeed. A commercial bus driver has been charged with thirty-eight counts of reckless endangerment after blacking out behind Jesus the steering wheel. Christ, how many edibles did he take? Thirty? Uh, did he take thirty-eight? Did he take thirty-eight while, of these guys? While snacking on gummies, he says he didn't know were infused with THC. Uh, Jin Wan Chen appeared Tuesday in Bridgeport Superior Court after being arrested in his home in Boston. Wait, what? Why is this in Connecticut then? Did he pick something to see to <laughs> fucking He has no idea where he is. Yeah, uh, Chen was driving 38 passengers. That's where the 38 counts came from. From the Mohegan Sun Casino, which is a great, great place to be picked up. Okay. After you're just gambling, imagine. I mean, right. uh-huh. how many people are on edibles really driving you from Mohegan Sun? That feels like it's probably <laughs> far, like far from the course. Uh, on March 13th, when he stopped the bus on the side of Interstate, Interstate 95 in Stratford, police said they found Chen slumped unconscious in the driver's seat next to an open package of Smokey's Edibles cannabis-infused fruit chews. Huh. It says on the cannabis. Huh. <laughs> Toxology re- tests showed Chen had a high level of THE. No shit. The active ingredient in cannabis in his bloodstream, prosecutors said. Chen told Judge uh, Nididi Moses on Tuesday that he had no idea he had been sm- snacking on anything but regular candy. Quote, I didn't know it was marijuana, <laughs> Chen said through a Chinese cool. interpreter, according to Hearst Connecticut Media. I didn't know. Moses ordered Chen held in lieu of $25,000 bond and set his next court date to August 25th. Um, <laughs> it sounds like he's a non-native English speaker. I do feel a little bit bad for him at that point. Yeah, his his manager, Victor Chen, says uh, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, but he has a sweet tooth and likes candy. This would have never happened a, a couple of years ago, but now there's marijuana everywhere here. Oh, no. <laughs> That's the last one. I kind of feel bad for this guy. Poor dude. I don't... I, oh, yeah, I, th- I feel bad because I... Yeah, I don't think English is his first language. So yeah. he probably saw gummies and he's like, these taste weird. These guys yeah. taste like herbs or whatever. He probably was like, also... Fuck. The fact that he got blackout means that he definitely was just popping them. He took a, a lot. lot. A lot. Yeah. He prob- I mean... Hmm. If he took normally, um, there's like a hundred milligrams in a in a normal edible thing. Don't ask why I know this, um, but that's a lot. What are you a fucking monk? <laughs> that's a that's a fuck ton. Like yeah. if you take all of that, you'd uh, especially a dude who probably is like, I'm just a good guy. Whoa, I've never taken right. anything. Fuck. But I thought that was a funny article, and that is the end of in the news. So let's pass it over to you. Theo. Now we're gonna go from in the news. To in the news, I have a quick More news. news. To, I have a quick news story for you, and I I'm a, I'm tickled by this article because 
It's it's one of the most British things I've read in a long while. Okay. Headline right. reads: Man versus horse, powis race won by runner Licky uh, Ricky Lightfoot. <laughs> Licky Rick. Now I'm saying it. Licky Lightfoot. Ricky which Lightfoot. is my next halfling D and D character. Yes. The winner of the grueling man versus horse race was revealed she had been awake for 29 hours before the event after flying from Tenerife to claim the victory. I'm sorry. I'm man so- I'm versus gonna- horse race. I think the it's horse, a horse wins. The horse wins. The horse, ride them. Not this time. Ricky Lightfoot won this one. Because <laughs> he's Lightfoot. He's yeah. good. Oh, what? <laughs> he cast in a light step and he was out of there. Oh, that got me. Holy shit. Trail runner, Lick, <laughs> trail runner Ricky Lightfoot became only the third person to win, to win the race since it started in 1980. He told the BBC he had woken at <laughs> 6 o'clock BST on Friday before catching a flight to Manchester at midnight. Landing at 4, he traveled to Wales, arriving at Lan- Lanwert, Wells, Powys and at 9 o'clock for the race start at 11. So he had been awake since 6 p.m. the previous day and started the week at 11. He had been awake for 29 hours. Jesus. Crossing the line, six foot four inches athlete had no idea whether he had won as the people and animals take slightly different courses. I fucking love that. They're like, all right, horse, you go you go like, somewhere over there and runner, you go somewhere over there and I don't know, someone will win. We can't, we can't have the humans see how fucked <laughs> they are. Like, they're good. Getting obliterated. After asking around, he discovered that he had... After asking around... This is the most disorganized fucking race I've ever heard of. Asking around. Where is the race? Where is everybody? Where is the race organizers? After asking around, he discovered he had come out on top against 1,000 runners and 50 horses. In this corner, we have Ricky Lightfoot. And on this corner, we have 1,000 runners and 50 horses. That's so many people. (laughs) That's so many horses. That's so many. (laughs) That's a full, like, that's, this is bigger than I thought. He took home 3,500 pounds after beating the first horse by more than two minutes on the 22 and a half mile course. The 37-year-old Cumbrian said winning was pretty good luck. (laughs) Pretty good luck? Like, it has luck. Oh my god. Uh, It's great to win for the event and beat the horse, he said. I called my partner and said, I beat the horse. And she said, you're joking. And I said, no, I did. She was like, oh my god. (laughs) Good on you. Oh, I got hiccups. Fuck. I'm sorry, audience. You're gonna deal with hiccups now. The firefighter said he had been quietly confident. I thought I could give the horse a good race, he explained. Since his win, he has been asked if he will enter the Grand National next. It would be great if I could win the Grand National, he said. I've never rode rode a horse in my life. I once rode a donkey at Blackpool Pleasure Beach, though. (laughs) Why is that in the article? I don't know. This man is just like a a wet ball of blanket who happened to be like... Like tripping out of his mind because he'd be in a wait for 29 hours and run a foot race against a horse. It sounds like a fever dream. In one. <laughs> Imagine his legs. He's just like, boo, 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 boo. he's the flash. I've never ridden a horse by red or a donkey once. <laughs> I love him. That's After winning, guy. the father of two then made his way, way to his home in Maryport in Cumbria as he 
had to be back at work at 7.30 next on Sunday. Oh my God. The dude is, this is just such a, like a slice of life. Race director Mike Thomas said Mr. Lightfoot, a member of Cumbria Running Club, uh, Ellenboro AC, beat the horse horses quite comfortably on Saturday. The last time a human beat a horse in, in the race was in 2007 and the first was in 2004. The race, which returned after two years due to the pandemic, began on the tarmac, but took in forest tracks and open moorland. The jackpot prize for a runner who beats the first horse and a rider starts at 500 and increases by 500 each year. The event takes place until, it, until it's won. So the pot keeps Ooh. increasing. Okay. Uh, the most recent prize pot had not been accumulated since 2014. So good good for Ricky. I've never Got some ridden, money. I've never ridden a horse, but I rode a donkey once. <laughs> that is the most British thing that he could have <laughs> So just like, I'm going to ignore your question and I'm going to answer it. <laughs> I called my partner and I said, I beat the horse. And she said, you're joking. And I said, you're joking. No. <laughs> I, that's slid, nice. into us, slid into Australian. I, how, how comfortable of a, they said he won comfortably. What is that? By over two minutes. Five hours? I guess that's. Two minutes? Cl- I guess that's comfortable. That is pretty. I mean. He spent two his two minutes asking around. Did uh, I win? What? Where's Where, the horse? Is this is this the finish line? Is this the finish? I, he's getting more and more like a, a brigand <laughs> from. Or, oh yeah, you what, what are you doing? There, We're just boy? sliding into it. Would well, you good. like to get a job as a pickpocket? You're gonna steal a race. All you gotta do is outrun the marshals. They're on their horses. There, you think you can do that? You think you can race? That that is like an old. King was like, if you can beat my ho- horse, I don't know, I'll give you a bit of money. And everyone's like, hell yeah, I've been eating dirt for the last 10 years. I would love some money. And so they have to run after the horses. I love the idea that there's some amount of pride in, in the stake of this for, for the human side of the runners. But for the horses, they don't give a shit whether they win or lose. What's in it for them? What bragging rights is that I beat I beat a human in a race? That's fucking nothing. You're supposed to beat a human in a race. It's embarrassing if they it's pretty lose. Pretty embarrassing. You, you lost, and it's pretty embarrassing, dude. By two minutes. That's that's pre- pretty bad. <laughs> Next up, Ricky Lightfoot will be entering the Daytona 500 and seeing how he does there. On foot. <laughs> Wait, is that in the article? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, <be> great. <laughs> that would have been an amazing end of it. I would love to see Ricky just. <laughs> start running the car zoom and he goes oh fuck like it just blasts him <laughs> anyway that lovely lovely little story that that got me it got me so hard that i got got hiccups so i'm i will apologize to the audience if you hear a little You're gonna have, it's an occupational hazard but from very british that's a very great segue because i have some very british oh top of the morning fantastic amazon erotica <gasps> and now you would think, how the fuck is he going to pull out some Amazon erotica from that? How is this very British? <laughs> How's he going to do this? But I will tell you, the first story we will be talking about, for people who don't know, by the way, I go to bestsellers of Amazon erotica books, and I read the descriptions because they're all fucking insane, mostly. But <laughs> this one is A Lady of Rook's Grave Manor. And that's tempting monsters book one and this is by Catherine moon which is a fake name if it isn't then if it isn't good job to Catherine moon. moon yeah moon's a great last name on the brink of losing her position as a maid and with no prospects to go on 
the offer of a place at Rooksgrave Manor, a house of ill and unusual repute. Sounds like a perfect fit for a young woman, Esther's inclinations. Even better, the invitation comes by the hand of the handsome Dr. Underwood, a a delicate gentleman with a ferocious alter ego. Who knows exactly <laughs> what he wants from Esther. He's way too good at hiding. Oh, yes. Oh, very good. Please uh, leave your shoes at the door. This is a shoes-off house. How dare you wear your shoes in my house? I can't believe... I told you wear them at the door. You put slippers on. This is not a Japanese household. We don't go by that stand-up. <laughs> oh, your socks only. I need. I want to smell every single place your socks have been. Ugh. Yucky. Upon arrival, the men in the daily decadence of the manor feel too good to be true for a girl of Esther's station. There are rules to be followed, expectations to meet, and Esther is afraid she might be too wicked for a place like Rooksgrave. Temptations lurk around every shadowy corner, and Esther has never been a girl to resist. (laughs) But the risk of disappointing her new gentleman isn't all that's threatening Esther's new position. Rooksgrave Manor protections for its unusual patrons are failing. The wards are crumbling, and Esther's new and exquisitely pleasurable life may be all come tumbling down. I like the trope that they, the thread they, the line they thread, which is the female, the protagonist, is so innocent, but also just adventure enough, adventurous Ooh. enough to try. She's never wanted to do anything but please. She's she's willing to do. She's innocent, but willing to do literally anything to please. Anything at all. I do love that they just kind of put in at the end, like, oh yeah, they're war- wards for like all the monsters and stuff, whatever. Like, yeah, what? sure. What? Oh, I, I thought I thought this was realistic, and then they're just like, <laughs> they're magical wards. Yeah, that's fine. Book two, by the way, this is the Tempting Monsters series, and there's only two books in it. Oh, the company. You, you can tempt mm-hmm. me anytime you want. I'm, I'm just here. I'm out in the woods, Bigfoot. I'm Bigfooting around. You can tempt me. I'm going to just stand over here in the oh. dark and watch you. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jared, I don't know if we should be out here. There might be Sasquatches with their cocks out. <laughs> Such tempting monsters hey baby what's up i got some bud lights you want to see my monster hog or what's going on oh gerald i can't i can't i can't resist them (laughs) no photography i'll disappear behind this rock and (laughs) put that camera away i'm coming over i don't do porn that's just too much for me it's too weird it's too weird i I don't want to record it they call me an escort this is the Company of Fiends after eight years on the stage with the Company of Fiends. So this is like a big change. Because this is a sta- stage with the Company of the Fiends is a play. So it's like totally, <laughs> I think it's a different character with different stuff. I don't know why they do this all the time. Uh, with the Company of Fiends, the glow of the spotlight is starting to wear thin for Hazel Nix. The theater is perfect for a girl like her, one with a secret she keeps even from her more monstrous peers. But playing pretend is only exciting for so long. After so many lovers on stage and otherwise. Now I'm I'm going to pause real quick. After so many lovers on stage and otherwise. I'm sorry. Is she fucking people on stage? (laughs) I would not call your play like the people in your troop 
your lovers. <laughs> if you're stop referring to them as your lovers. If you're in Romeo and Juliet, you are not lovers. You are you are acting. Yeah, that's that acting. is the whole point. She's like, I got into it for the acting, but I stayed for the dick. So uh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are the uh, honey? Are they full on fucking? They they went full method on this one. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how to do it any different. Hazel has yet to make a lasting connection with anyone and considers taking her, her last bow at the company. Just as Hazel encounters a new and intriguing patron, disaster strikes the, the theater. Girls are going missing, and suspiciously bad luck plagues the stage. Between ex-lovers, current bed partners, and new faces at the theater. That's a lot of people. Can we just... Ex-lovers. This, <laughs> a, this lady gets around. Current bed partners, plural, uh-huh. and new faces of the theater. Uh-huh. So she's already, like, sizing people up. She's already she's, like, she's you're the here. next one. You're my next you're ex-lover. You're coming up. You're on deck. So start, start swinging, you know? Start swinging. Hazel's heart is tangled more than ever, and she finds it increasingly impossible to draw herself away from the life she's known for so long. Maybe... Maybe I shouldn't have a great change. I know that it's the great resignation, but you know what? <laughs> I like my coworkers a lot. I really do. It is time to make a choice. Start fresh before it's drawn into before she's drawn into the mess or take a stand and fight for the family she's found in the strangest of, of places. Anyway, that's Comedy of Fiends. I don't know why it's in the same book se- series. It's completely different. But this one is is a little <laughs> bit more modern, but not not very. Um, this is oh, I love the man's man's face on the cover. He is wearing a, the biggest flat cap I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He has a very English face, which is very thin. Oh, you may have got an English face. He's wearing That's... a suit. This is Elliot. Uh, it has a a under thing on the cover, but they don't say it in the thing. So I will give you what it says. B-W-W-M, B-B-W, uh, plus huh? size, Englishman, vacation, billionaire <laughs> romance. <laughs> and this is Members for Money, season two, book 69. Plus sized English man. Huh. Season two, book 69, baby. Hell, huh. Hell yeah. yeah, brother. We did it. By the way, B-B-W, I think, is big black woman? Sure. Or, I'll take your word I, for it. I, I I don't know for a fact, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it it says in the in the thing. So, a sexy BBW Englishman vacation romance by Katie Dow of BWWM Club. There's a club, and they're oh. writing these books. There's a club. It's it, the author is the club itself. Itself. It isn't Katie Dow, which is strange. <laughs> okay, so is it written by committee? No, I think it's by her, but. They're like a collective that do like because all the other things in the series are just like Rory, Alec, Lionel, Austin, like in their cowboys and stuff. Like it's just first names. Okay, but anyway, plus sized African American beauty Heather Jade Cummings, which is a porn name for sure, has suffered enough tragedy and in loss in her life to last forever. Oh, this it sucks here. It It sucks. We're in a pit of despair here. So, naturally, she packs up and leaves for a much-needed vacation to get away from the haunting memories. The historical romance novelist had chosen a quaint cottage in Staten Cotswold. Cotswolds? In, at her, as her vacation destination while she heals from her wounds. Elliot James Bancroft 
was also a man who was, su who was suffering. The heir to the multi-billion dollar real estate development company had... Uh, I was hoping it would be something more exciting like, I don't know, he got rich off of pre-mixed pina coladas and he's got a <laughs> whole fortune ready to go. He got very rich off of eel stew. <laughs> very in interesting. Uh, had lost his twin sister a year ago and was finding it hard to come to terms with it. It is while riding one late afternoon, he discovers the occupant of one of his cottages and is caught by the sad yet beautiful look on Heather's face. Heather had no interest in falling in love, especially with a man like Elliot, who looks like he probably weighs 120 pounds soaking wet. Like he is just a, a, mm -hmm. a waif of a man. Okay. But will fate have so something <laughs> else in store for her? Or will her heart be broken yet again? Find out in this emotional yet sexy romance by Katie Dow of the BWWM Club. Suitable for eight, for 18s only due to fiery hot sex scenes with a billionaire. <laughs> oh, it wouldn't have been 18 or older if it was uh, just a millionaire, but the billionaire yeah. is that. Yeah, that just. Arousal. If you know you, he has a billion dollars, it does make you go like, yeah, I, I, this is great. This is Whoa. even better because I know guy. I might get. More like if I marry this him, I'm even get better. Half of a billion dollars, so that's great. And lastly, because we have a little bit of time, and I like destroying your your mind, this one's nasty. I'm gonna just say it's nasty. It's a nasty one. This is a nasty You're one. Preface and this it is by saying it's, in it's Amazon erotica. This is a nasty one. Oh God. Okay. This is a nasty one, even for the segment. All right, I'm bracing myself. I mean, myself. it's it's a short thing. That's why I'm including it. But. The, the context of it is gross. In the name of it is gross. Morning morning Glory Milking Farm. Okay, I don't like where this is going. I really don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is from the Cambrick Creek Sweet and Steamy Monster Romance Book. So um, I'm just going to spoil. Okay. It has to do with a minotaur. Oh. oh. Hence. Okay. Yeah, Milking Farm. This is by C.M. Nuscosta. Violet is a typical down-on-her-luck millennial. Mid <laughs> what does that mean? Mid-20s? <laughs> what does that mean? I don't That's know. That's typecasting. Hey, as a millennial, I reject that. Hey! hey. Come on. Mid-20s, overeducated, and dra drowning in debt. Okay, maybe, right. they, maybe they know something. <laughs> on the verge of mo moving it into her parents' basement, when a lifeline appears in the form of a very unconventional job in neighboring Cambrick Creek, she has no choice but to grab it. Grab at it with both hands. Mm -hmm. Morning Glory offers a full-time hours, full benefits. This sounds great. And generous pay with no experience ne needed. Sounds like a pyramid there's scheme only one so catch. far. Yeah. Yeah, there's only one catch. Uh -huh. It is a pyramid scheme. Yeah. And the top of it is a minotaur. <laughs> a uh, big, big Hey, you want to buy my new crypto coin? All you got to do is is uh, get the milking. Yeah. The clientele is grade A certified prime beef with the manly meaty endowments to match. Hands-on work with minotaurs isn't something Violet ever considered as a career option, but she's determined, determined to turn the opportunity into a reversal of fortune. So she, she, if you didn't already, she, uh, ugh, I'm not going to even say it. You <laughs> could put together pieces. Millennials will do literally anything as a job is what I'm learning here. Yeah, when they... A stern, deep-voiced client begins to specially request 
request her for sessions at the farm, maintaining her for professionalism and keeping him out of her dreams is easier said than done. I'm going to um, edit this and say nightmares. Nightmares. Because nightmares. Yeah. Minot- jerking off minotaurs is probably the worst profession I could imagine. Hey, the, the original story of the minotaur was not supposed to be somehow fun and ooh. Yeah, it was, it was not, bad. It was a bad be- time. He was oh. trapped. He was trapped with the minotaur. Violet is resolved to make a dent in her student loans and afford name brand orange juice. Oh, what? Fuck off. That's a very sad. <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing? I need that. And a one-sided crush. Just every time she's doing something gross, she's like, I'm doing it for that Tropicana. Ugh. These mimosas aren't as good, I gotta say. <laughs> gotta fresh squeeze it. One-sided crush on an out-of-her-league minotaur is not part of her plan. Unless her feelings aren't so one-sided after all. After all, Morning Glory Farm is a short human monster romance novel. 60K. I don't know why it says that in parentheses. Is that how much it sold? I I assume word count. Featuring a high heat, slow burn with with a lot of heart and a guaranteed H-E-A. I don't know what that stands for. I don't want to look it up. No, we're not Googling that one. Anyway, that is the end of it. And I'm glad. And I'm glad for it, personally. I'm very glad. There's an entire goddamn two other books i'm not not gonna read them maybe later <laughs> i'm not, not i'm not gonna read them the until later maybe if they're funny you know what it's if they're funny then we'll maybe do them but this comes to the end of the podcast oh podcast sorry still hiccups thank you everybody for listening to this episode remember if you have any segments send it to segment city podcast at gmail.com hit up our twitter at segment city our youtube segment city Give us a ratings and reviews. We'd love it. It would help us out tremendously. And we would like to give a big thank you to someone in particular. Thank you to Rachel Robinson. She does our intro music, and she's never once hiccuped in her life. Don't say that. I'm gonna edit. I'm gonna edit out all the hiccups. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. But we're going to end like we do now. Now we we have our new thing that we're going to end with. Un- list of unusual deaths. This is not a new thing i i'm saying it like it's like brand new we've been doing this for so many weeks <laughs> this is eliezer avaron from 163 bc eliezer avaron was the brother of judas maccabeus according to uh maccabeus 646 which i it seems like it's a book of the bible mm-hmm. like the way that they're phrasing it in battle he thrust his spear into the belly of a king's war elephant which collapsed and fell on top of Elazar, killing him instantly. So he's like, yeah, yeah he's I did like it. underneath I did, it. Uh, he's stabbing. He's like, I'm, I'm the protagonist I'm of this story. And it, and then it just falls and he's oh, like, no. why do you think about <laughs> And then Gimli's on the other side. And he goes, still counts. It only counts, counts as one. As one. <laughs> and he runs away. But anyway, that is the end of the podcast. And hopefully my hiccups will end soon. I hope so too. Fuck you for making me laugh. Yeah. Oh. Got him.